This is the Russian dynamite Masha Slamovich. Becca here. This is not America's sweetheart Davian. It's Billy Starks and the super fly guy Trayvon Jordan. This is the fly side flyer Jalen Brandon. Hardcore princess Jules Malone. Hi there, this is the bubblegum princess Alexia Nicole. This is the Brazilian Wonder Woman Christy Jane. This is the baddest black belt Chennai Kai. This is Kid Bandit. The smash hit Joel Bateman. This is Robin Renegade. Cody Hawk. Brutal Bob Evans. And you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment, one of my favorite podcasts in the whole wide world. Ladies and gentlemen, live in front of your very eyes, it is I, the legendary world-traveled blood tourist, looking sharp, and you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show with Wrestling With... Entertainment, the only audio experience on the web today. The trusted choice for interviewing all your favorite wrestlers every Tuesday and Wednesday on YouTube and CastBox. Sponsored by Rogue Energy and Player One Coffee. I am, of course, your host, James J. And it is a great day for wrestling because we are wrestling with the Blood Tourist, Lou King Shaw. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm I'm looking forward to, to getting down here. Absolutely. And where is the Blood Tourist touring now? Um, so I'm I'm doing my usual. I'm travelling across the across the UK and across Europe. Um, you can see me in Malmo, Sweden, on October seventh for the Svensk Wrestling Sid, um, and you can see Copenhagen Championship Wrestling's final Scottish date of the year. Um, that's CCW Grunge live in Loch Winnock on October fourteenth. So that's my my next two big dates that are coming up after this um, after this episode. Um, you'll be able to be able to catch me October seventh in Malmo, Sweden, and October 14th in Loch Gwynog, Scotland. Alright, and where can we find all things uh, looking shop on um, social media? And more So, uh, on, on Facebook, um, it's just facebook.com um, slash lookingsharp. Um, also search LKS Dojo and Copenhagen Championship Wrestling as well to, to stay up to date with my with my other ventures. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, it's at lookingsharpuk. Um, and over on YouTube, you can see loads of free wrestling matches featuring myself from all around the world. Um, and that is Lookingsharp TV. Uh merchandise um so i don't have i don't have much in terms of merchandise um online at the moment but i do have a, a pro wrestling tea store which is selling them um, i think there's, there's four good designs on there um and they're they're available all year round so that's prowrestlingtees.com and just search for for looking sharp all right and you don't even have to go looking for it all of the links to all his social media and merchandise will be in the description of the video below, but on YouTube in CastBox. Alright, let's get into it. Um, you know, you're the blood tourist, and you've traveled many of different countries. Um, you recently wrestled in Spain for the first time, correct? That's correct, yeah. What was that experience like? So, Spain, Spain was... One of the one of the most fun wrestling trips that I've ever been on, definitely. Um, Zaragoza was was absolutely beautiful. Um, 
But I would say, um, in terms of like the locals and stuff, it was the probably the place I've been where they've spoke the the least English. Um, every, everywhere else that I've travelled in Europe, people you know people have have been pretty strong with their English, but it was a bit different in Zaragoza. Um, so that that was a bit of a, a bit of a learning curve. So hopefully learn a wee bit of Spanish if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be going to Zaragoza um, on the regular. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to, to becoming part of the Spanish scene. I always like to to try and get in and be part of like sort of new growing professional wrestling scenes. Um, I like to you know, I, I like I like to be there and be part of the boom and, and, and be part of the growth. Um so I'm I'm going to, to Spain again before the year's out. I'm not able to announce just well yet. Um but I I'm gonna be travelling back to Spain before before the end of the year. So as I say I'm really looking forward to, to being part of the Spanish scene and especially with the fact that I'm going over for a for a different promotion now. Um I'm I'm gonna to get to, to see a bit more of that scene and I will of course be returning for AWZ in, in twenty twenty four. Zaragoza as well. What was the the style of wrestling like there? Because it's not exactly is it luchador or was it how what what was the style in uh Spain? So that that was something that I was um I was really keen to find out myself. I've always kinda took an interest in, in foreign wrestling um and you know how they how they do things so so yeah i was asking myself the same question like are they going to have a more kind of european influence obviously based on the based on the geography of it um you know are they going to be more influenced by guys from you know france and and germany or is it is there going to be this kind of heavy lucha libre influence um and honestly, I think the I think the answer is a, it's a bit of a mix. So pro, obviously, you've got promotions like Lucha Libre Barcelona, um, and obviously it's it's in the name. They're very heavily Lucha Libre based. But um, AWZ that I was that I was working for recent, um, there was a lot of there was a lot of foreign talent on that show. Um, I believe Big CA was the only Spanish wrestler on the card. Um, so that was that was a bit of a blend, a bit more of your kind of standard like indie indie show kind of style that, that you know you would see across Europe. Um, but there there is definitely certain promotions where lucha libre is the that's the sort of main the main style. Um, but even even you know at AWZ, it still said lucha libre on the poster, which was a first for me. Um, so so I really I really enjoyed seeing that. I've always been a big lucha libre fan myself. Now, um, you know, whenever you go to a different country, the best way to learn about the culture is obviously through the food. What was you eating in Spain? So in Spain, uh, I, I wish that we were we were eating better in Spain. Um, we we were we were eating vending machine burgers and, and <laughs> pizzas from a wall <laughs> um, so that there, was, there was a lot a lot of vending machine food in Spain um, and the the takeout food wasn't wasn't the best so that's definitely something that I'm gonna need to I'm gonna need to experience experience more when I go back to Spain as a food and try and try and get a, a better experience than, than what I got last time I mean you're you're in you know a fantastic country and you're eating vending machine food Really? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's that that's that's the wrestling life, really. When 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 the show's finished and there's not much left open, your your choices are slim. I know. Uh, fair enough. 
no, you know, you did mention, um, you know, you like to be at the start of these, you know, new world companies in these countries that aren't necessarily known for their pro wrestling. Um, one of them being um, uh, CCW uh, in Sweden, as you mentioned, you're going back. Um, you were one of the first inputs to uh, Stockholm, correct? Um, so it's um, it's Malmo that is the is the 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 main promotion that I that I work for. Um, that's that's Fensk Wrestling said. Um, I I would say um, in in recent times, like after their kind of kind of rebranding them, there was there was new management and stuff came in. Um, and I would say since then, I've been certainly one of the most heavily featured um, sort of imports um, on on their shows. Um, but there there has been a pretty heavy British sort of influence since. Um, they've been bringing in guys like Dan Evans, um, Joseph Connors as well. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly was one of the one of the first ones. Um, First, first fence wrestling said, but just in in Scandinavia in general, obviously there was there was a few guys who had um, who had been over myself uh, before myself, sorry, um, but I, w- I was certainly one of the first who who was going over and and making a lot of noise about the scene. Um, I think definitely when I started going over, the, it was it was a time where there wasn't anywhere near as many eyes on Scandinavian wrestling as there is now. Um, but I, I was lucky enough to to get a glimpse early at what the world would then see later, um, and get to see just how just how good you know what the the guys in Scandinavia are not just in Sweden but in, in Denmark, Norway, Finland as well. Um, so yeah, I, I was lucky enough to get to see that early, and and I was coming back to the UK and, and going elsewhere in Europe and. You know, telling people you really need you really need to check these guys out, and you know, get get in there early because these guys are they're going to blow up. It is definitely you know an underrated um, you know scene for pro wrestling because they do have some really talented guys and girls down there. Absolutely, and the and the they're doing some some fantastic numbers as well. Um, SWS are doing. You know they they they've drawn six hundred people and um and Plan B in Sweden um so and Body Slam just consistently you know sell out and do do brilliant numbers in in Denmark um so there's there's definitely a, a strong scene there and a strong following for for pro wrestling I mean even if you you go to uh, Dansk Pro Wrestling in Denmark who's who's been around um, the longest of of all the promotions there um. You know, even for the for the past few years, they, they've they've always had consistently kind of decent crowds, um, and it, it's it's only getting better and better over the last sort of few years. Um, I, I honestly think it's only really a matter of time before they end up getting some, you know, some sort of mainstream exposure. Um, I think a Scandinavian sort of WWE stars long kind of overdue as well. I mean, our last interview uh, last week was from Sweden. <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah. So. And who who was that? Uh, Dakota Duke. Ah, okay. It's an, um, not not someone that I've I've managed to see on a on a show yet, but I have um, I've seen some of our, our stuff online. Um, but yeah, the, you know, there's the, there's so much talent coming out of Sweden just now, and that's not just. Um, 
not just in Malmo that you know where I, where I'm working specifically. Um, I did recently debut in in Stockholm for Stockholm Wrestling, um, and they they've got a brilliant scene up there. Um, they are doing some really good stuff, and they've got some very very talented guys as well. Um, and it's a it's a kind of kind of nightclub show kind of vibe, kind of like over 18s kind of style, at least yeah. from the from the impression that I got. Um, and again, there's you know there's something special happening in in Stockholm, but people don't realise that there's also something special happening in Malmo and Copenhagen and, and all over Scandinavia. Now, um, you wrestled um, Martin Kirby, one of the um, you know big independent names in uh, the UK scene. Could you tell us yeah. about that experience? Absolutely. Um, so I, I haven't just just wrestled Kirby. I've had the I'd probably say I've I've had the chance more to, to tag with Kirby than, than I have to actually wrestle against him. But um but get getting to, to work with Kirby in, in any capacity um is is always a pleasure and anybody in the, the British scene is is gonna tell you that. Like he's one of those guys where you're really, really going to struggle to find anybody who's got a bad word to say about about Martin Kirby. Um, he's just an absolute professional in the ring and out of the ring, and he's he's just one of the one of the absolute nicest guys that you're that you're going to find in wrestling. Um, so yeah, it was it was great it was great to get to work with him, and hopefully we can we can do it again soon, be it as a as a tag team or or, or against each other. You only had the one as the well, I saw you only had one uh, singles match against uh, Martin, right? Um, so I, I believe we've, we've only actually worked um, worked against each other in a, in a sort of one-on-one capacity, just just the one time, yeah. Um, but we we did tag together quite a few times, luckily. That's what I was going to say. You you had all these tag teams with him, but only one singles match against him. Obviously, there's a difference between you know tagging with somebody and then you know. A legitimate one-on-one uh, match. Hey, so yeah, I mean, from from a learning standpoint, um, I, I think I, I've been lucky that I've been I've been able to do both. Um, and a tag match, like when when you're on the apron and and just being able to essentially have the best seat in the house to to just get to watch him work. Um, it's you know you you of course you you you're gonna learn so much just from that alone, um, but then obviously being able to get in there and, and get physical with them, you're you're learning a whole a whole other capacity. So, as I said, luck, luckily I've been I've been able to do both, and I would love to do either or again. Alright, well, on the topic of tag team partners, can you tell us about your current tag team partner, Craig, in your relationship? Yes. Yeah, so Craig's one of my best friends. You know, not just not just in wrestling, but but outside the outside the ring as well. I um, which you know, which is I, I think that comes across um in the the team, which is of course Glasgow Grindhouse. Um, we've 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 been we've been all around the world together at this point. Um. Sweden, Denmark, up and down the UK as well. Um, and then we've we've been doing it for for years. Um, 
there was only a few years of my career um, when I was just getting started where where me and Carragher weren't a team. We were we were tagged up so very early on in, in both of our careers. Um, we, we did decide early on that we didn't want to just be another one of these teams that's kind of thrown together for six months and then, you know, the, the turn you know just just comes and and that's that's the end of the team we we decided you know we we've put in the work to to be this this tag team for the past couple of years um and we're, we're going to stick to it and we're going to we're going to be a career tag team we're not just going to you know throw away the tag team because anyone promotion wants to you know wants to get a cheap pop or a, an easy reaction for a for a turn um we're not you know we're not just going to give that away we're we're dead set that we are, you know, tag team wrestlers, and and we come as a unit. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just a case now of taking taking that unit as far as we can and trying to trying to cover as much ground as possible. And this year was a first in in Sweden together. Um, obviously, I'd, I'd wrestled there as in singles matches for for a few years now, but it was a it was a first time for for Glasgow Grindhouse, um, and we got a, we got a great reaction both from fans and management. So definitely hoping to to get, you know be doing more of that. Um, and yeah, it's just let's let's take take Glasgow Grindhouse and our national. Now, uh, what's a pet peeve about Glasgow Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I've I've got any pet peeves now, but one that he certainly one that he certainly knows, um, which is an old one, is when we first started tagging together. He used to wear, he used to wear these ugly ass scabby knee pads, <laughs> and he used to he used to wear them on the so he'd wear his tights and then he would wear these scabby ass knee pads over the top of his tights, um, and yeah, I remember saying to him one day, I was like, man, you you need you need to sort that out, <laughs> um, and yeah, eventually he started putting the putting the tights over the knee pads, hiding them a bit, um, so, but yeah, that that used to annoy me. I was like, man, they just they they just look horrid. <laughs> Now, um, the, the official name of the tag team is Glasgow Grindhouse, correct? That's right. Because you've had quite a few tag team names, no? So we, <laughs> it took it took us the longest time to to really figure out a tag team name. Um, so we we various different names from trios groups and factions and, and other things that we were in right. um, but as a tag team we were always just kind of either known by whatever the stable name was at the time or just by looking sharp and Krieger um, but we decided uh, once we were kind of finished with all the kind of stable and, and trios stuff that now that we were we were going all in just on you know as as a pairing that really we're gonna have to, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to finally settle on a name, um, and really we we just tried to reinvent ourselves entirely, I guess. Um, I mean, for the for the first kind of few years of the team, it was almost like a kind of like a kind of odd couple. Um, you know, we we wore kind of different gear. Um, wrestled kind of different styles didn't have many kind of tag moves 
Um, but there was always chemistry there, and we were always a solid unit. But we weren't maybe the the most coherent. Um, but we we definitely sort of changed up in recent years and, and invested in ourselves as a as a pair and a lot more. Obviously settled on the name Glasgow Grindhouse, um, settled on a kind of new look and a kind of new a new kind of vibe for the team overall. It um, wasn't just us doing that as a pair. We spoke with um, with Chris Silvio at Death Proof Dojo in Florida. Um, so he's also a an agent and a producer at, um, at NWA. Um, so we we were doing some kind of kind of online kind of seminars and classes with Chris. Um, who's a fantastic coach and teacher I am um, you know honestly I can't recommend enough to shouldn't you know internationally because obviously I mean if you if you're in Florida then certainly get in there and learn with him physically but um internationally he does offer online classes and you know that's that's the reason that we've got the Glasgow Grindhouse that we that we have today well keeping on that can you tell us about the shock dojo um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, Looking Sharp Dojo, or the Looking Sharp Dojo of Excellence, to give it its full name, um, basically came off the back of Respect Pro Wrestling um, closing. So, I, I honestly didn't really have much intention of running my own dojo. Um, I was uh, an assistant coach at the the Respect Pro Wrestling Academy. Um, where Bobby Roberts was was running the the school, and DCT was also an assistant coach. Um, and I, I really I really enjoyed working as part of that team, and we we had a great group of of students. Um, and when the when the school closed down for kind of various reasons, um, it was. I just felt like it would be a shame for to to not be a part of those students' development anymore. Um, it was the the closure of that school was was all very sudden, um, and I definitely wanted to, you know, keep helping those guys on their journey. So I basically had I'd, I'd run LKS online dojo before. Um, I had some experience in in coaching from you know various different schools that I coached at, and I decided just to take the plunge. Contacted Iron Girdles Gym, um, and and set up the the LKS dojo of excellence, which runs every Monday in Parkhead, Glasgow, um, seven till nine pm. It's only five pounds a class. So one thing I always say is it's it's not about making money; it's about making pro wrestlers. Um, so that's why, as I said, it's only five pounds a class. You're not going to find a, a wrestling school as cheap as that anywhere in the world, I don't think. Um, so you're, you're always guaranteed value for money. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm prouder than words can explain of every single one of my guys. Um, I think we've had maybe maybe fifteen international debuts since we opened just over a year ago. Um, a, a lot of the guys who've came to the dojo, it's the dojo is kind of different in that aspect of we don't get a lot of brand new wrestlers, uh, people who have no experience at all, kind of day one people. Um, it tends to be people who have already been on the scene for a while, um, and maybe things haven't been. You know, going going as planned for them, uh, going as they expected, um, and they they need to change things up and take a different approach. And they, you know, they've they've been coming to the the, the dojo and 
and letting me letting me show them show them how I would do things and it's it's been working out well for for quite a lot of them. So as I said, I I, I cannot put it in words just how proud I am of everybody. Um, just I'd say notably. Um, Ruby Roberts and Legends Never Die, uh, as well as Colton Davis, have they've all been making quite an impact, um, you know, across not just the UK but Scandinavia as well. Um, and there's you know things that things are only are only going up, not just for those guys, but for for all of the for all of the guys at the dojo. Um, you know, we're we're looking to conquer the UK. We're looking to conquer Scandinavia. We're looking to get all over Europe and and further afield afield as well. Um, get over your side of the pond. Get the dojo out in out in the US. Even you know Mexico, Canada. We we want to go everywhere. Shout out to Ruby Roberts, a friend of the show. <laughs> Brilliant. Um. So you know, you were trained in what I'd like to call the Wild West of. Uh, of pro wrestling, the world wrestling is pro wrestling. So, how did you kind of adjust how you were trained to fit, you know, these modern times? So, one of the one of the things that I was always told was that you basically you had to kind of pick a wrestling school and stick to it. Um. Or at least on this scene, that's kind of how things worked for the longest time. Was you you pick a wrestling school, and it's you know the the biggest sin you can commit is to go and train at a different wrestling school. Um, very very kind of gang vibes, um, and I always thought that was silly. Um, something that not to drop not to drop names, but a Finn Balor seminar, uh, something that I learned that always stuck with me was he said every time you learn from a coach, um, or any time you train with someone, they give you a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. Um, and every coach gives you a different piece, and they're they're all a different shape, and they all they all you know they all have their own look. Um, and really in wrestling it's up to yourself to decide which kind of jigsaw pieces you want to keep and which pieces you want to throw away so the pieces that you do keep though you want to you know you know what you want to keep those and you want to put them all together and the more pieces that you get from the more different places and the more you keep adding this to your jigsaw puzzle the bigger prettier more intricate and more exciting picture you're going to have at the end with all of those pieces and as i said it's up to yourself which pieces you want to add and which pieces you want to discard um but i think it's important to go out and get as many different pieces as you can so that you have as many different options as possible and as i said so that you can you can make that picture as as different as possible and um really really make it stand out um so one of the things that um, that I've tried to do is, of course, encourage my guys to, you know, get as much experience as possible by wrestling internationally. Um, anytime I go abroad, I try and take my students with me in some capacity, um, work out some kind of some kind of deal with the with the promoters and give them the chance to go out and experience different scenes and experience different styles. Um, but also when when they're just in the dojo, I try and teach as many different styles and uh, you know as as I possibly can, just so that they're they're kind of prepared for 
any situation so that if they show up in somewhere like Spain, you know, and it's a more Lucha Libre based style, they're able to adapt to that. Or if they, you know, they're working around in, in the UK and they're required to work a more kind of tech based style, that's fine. If they go to the States and it's a more kind of showmanship aspect of things that, that's kind of looked for, then they can, they can adapt to that as well. Um, but yeah, that's certainly something that wasn't really available. I didn't feel was as available to me when when I was training that I'm that I'm trying to make available to my guys. I really believe in you should leave things better than you found it, um, and all these kind of international gigs and stuff that that I got, I really had to kind of scratch and claw for those when I was coming up. Um, so yeah, I just I just want to make it as easy as possible for for other people now because I really think it is a beautiful thing in wrestling that you can see so much of the world and experience so much of the world and you can do that through wrestling you can allow wrestling to take you to all these places experience all these all these different cultures all these different foods as you were saying <laughs> um and yeah it's 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 something that i want to i want everyone else to to be able to have as well i was very lucky to have it myself and i want to share that now, uh, you were lucky to have a lot of uh, guests uh, on your online seminars as well. Um, yeah. Just to name a few, DJ Hyde, Jimmy Ray, Doug Williams, Mikey Riprack, Hector Guerrero. Um, you, I'm assuming you had interaction with these people as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I mean, obviously Jimmy Ray no longer with us. What was your interaction with him? Uh, so, J- Jimmy, um, actually, he actually reached out to to myself. Really? Um, yeah. So, I, I, to, to be completely honest, like I, I was only really familiar with Jimmy Rave's time in TNA, um, yeah. and I, 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 I was absolutely a fan of it. Um, but he, he had reached out and basically had, had said that he'd heard about, about the dojo and stuff and, and he was asking to, to come on. Um, he was a coach at the, at the CZW Academy, I believe. So yeah. I'm assuming he probably probably heard about it through through DJ Hyde and, and he was he was looking to come on. Um, and it wasn't actually until then that when you know I did some sort of further research into him that I realised just how much Jimmy Rave had done. Um and you know just how many how many different people and people that are considered really kind of influential wrestlers in this kind of modern era of wrestling how many of them that he he worked with um as they were kind of coming up and establishing this kind of style that people are so in love with now um so as, although i wasn't too familiar with you know his work at the time i certainly went back um after that and, and watched a lot of it and you know, he was he, he was he was a, a fantastic performer. And he he was great on the dojo as well. Um, it, it was it was good to to get his perspective on things. It was just obviously such a shame that it was, you know, so so soon before. Then obviously he was he tragically passed, but. Obviously, we 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 were we, you know we were blessed that we that we did get to to do that that class with them at all. Um, we we were obviously one of the kind of final final groups that were that were lucky enough to to be able to learn from them. So it was it was definitely it was definitely great to to be given the the chance to to have that experience. Now, uh, 
Now, can you tell us about your altercation with AJ Styles? <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> the well, the, the the segment itself was um, basically I would I would come out dressed as as Rey Mysterio. Um, and, and AJ Styles was saying, you know, you're not the real Rey Mysterio, but if you were, this is what I'd do. And he, he basically kicked my ass and, and Rey Mysterio made the save. And as a 17-year-old kid at the time, that was mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but the real story isn't what happened in the ring. The real story was beforehand. So the promoter said to me, he was like, I want you to look like, you know, tacky, like this kind of really fake Rey Mysterio. So I had a pair of like old washed out, like <laughs> Nike joggies, Nike tracksuit bottoms, and I duct taped 619 down the side of them. <laughs> um, I made this really crappy, like, because at the time he was wearing like the kind of the vest on top of the baggies. Yeah. Um, so I made this really crappy crown to for the vest. Um, and one of the, you know, you know, like the masks that they sell at indie shows, like the ones that come from Mexico, they're really yeah. thin, kind of crappy stereo masks. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wearing one of those. Um, and I, I show up to the venue and, you know, I put on the outfit and showed the promoter and whatever else. And Rey Mysterio arrives at the venue. So <laughs> I go up not knowing that the promoters told him nothing about this. Um, so I walk up to shake his hand and say, oh, hi, how you doing? I'm Chris. And we're, we're working together tonight. And he's looking at this guy <laughs> standing up there in a pair of Nike joggies with duct tape up the side of him and a fake Rey Mysterio mask telling him that, that we're going to be working together tonight. So he definitely wasn't pleased. Um, and then after, so after that, um, Basically, the promoter wanted them to hike a match against each other at the end of the tour, which I believe was going to be in Sheffield. Um, but they were wanting them to promote this in Newcastle. And Newcastle and Sheffield are hours from each other. So they were arguing and saying that, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to hype a match that the Newcastle crowd wasn't going to see um, because they, they felt like it was kind of anticlimactic for them and they were they were geeing them up for something that really they weren't going to get, uh, which is, which is an, you know, an absolutely valid point. Um, but the, they, they made me come with them to tell the promoter this. So the whole time that they're having this screaming match with the promoter, I'm just left standing there in my fake Rey Mysterio mask. <laughs> <laughs> and then, which was followed by the most awkward elevator ride you could ever imagine. <laughs> you have Rey Mysterio on one side of you, AJ Styles on one side of you. You know, that weird yeah. <laughs> uh, elevator music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was not ideal. And I remember the, the shouting that AJ Styles was shouting at the promoter, he's like, you got over 50 years of experience here, and I'm thinking to myself at 17 at the time, I'm like, I got like, I got like two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but it was it was it was definitely an experience, and obviously, as I said, at seventeen years old to be able to work with Rey Mysterio, who's 
you know, the childhood hero and AJ Styles was a, a, another childhood hero. Um, it was it was incredible. Five star wrestling in general was just an absolutely mind blown experience. Like I honestly, I felt like I was being taken back in time and drafted to the SmackDown two thousand and six roster. <laughs> like, it was it was it was wild, and being able to compete on TV. Um, you know, national TV at, at, at that age and work with with guys at that level was was fantastic. So I'll always I'll always be grateful for for my my time with with Five Star. You know, people people have got a lot to a lot to say about Five Star and you know how things could have been done better and um you know the the kind of business practices and whatnot. But me personally, they were always good to me. Always paid me on time. Um, and they they gave me opportunities that totally sort of changed the the path of, of my career. So I'll always 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 be grateful for that. Now, I mean, like you said, you were in the ring with two childhood heroes, arguably two of the biggest names in pro wrestling of all time. Um, yeah. that moment being in the ring with them, is that something you take in at that moment or like afterwards you're like, wow, I did that? So being, being in the ring with AJ Styles was definitely an, an afterwards thing. And that wasn't, that, that definitely, definitely wasn't the intention. Like I, I, I always, I remember it was one of the things that Lionheart told me is that you should always take a moment to you know take out take it on um and i always always try and do that um even if it's just in my entrance or or whatever just just stop and you know to just 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 take it all in take a take a minute to to realize how far you've came um but aj styles is just so fantastic at wrestling that he had wrestled me <laughs> and by the time he was finished I didn't even realise he had started uh, one minute I'm looking at him in the eye and the next minute I'm looking at the lights <laughs> it was uh, I, I cannot describe it he, he was fantastic like I, I could have been made of sand or stone you know what I mean and he he would he would have been fine he would have been able to do what he does he he can go and be aj styles against anyone he's he's absolutely fantastic um and there's there's a reason that he's had such a long career um and has always been you know at the at the top of professional wrestling and you know at, at, at a top level now you mentioned you know uh that was for a five-star wrestling which i believe was actually on televised television in the uk Right? Yeah. And I mean, and you were featured also on the WWE Network slash Peacock. Um, so, I mean, those are, that's not an easy feat for any independent pro wrestler to get on TV and on the network. So, what does that kind of mean to you? That you. You were on these very high-profile, um, you know, platforms for for wrestling. So I, I got I got a kind of funny story about the about the network actually. So and I think it might be the first time I've actually told us on like a podcast or anything as well. So I was actually the first 
guy on the network um, in terms of like indie guys before they started doing this. So I was in China at the time and this was months before the deal was even announced that there was going to be like indie promotions going on the network. And my uncle texts me while I was in China and he says, do you know you're on the WWE network? And I was so confused. And I was like, hey. <laughs> and sure enough, he, for some reason, he had searched Looking Sharp on the WWE Network. I guess he must have just been doing that periodically and hoping <laughs> for the best. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he had searched Looking Sharp and this promo came up from ICW, like an old promo from ICW, like a couple of years ago. Um and it's, <laughs> we were about to wrestle the kinky party, me and Krieger, and it basically in the promo, I'm shirtless and I'm telling him to like spank me so that we can get ready for the kinky party because we need to, you know, we, we need to be on their level and we need to know their game and all this. Um, and for some reason, this promo was uploaded to the WWE Network. Uh, no other no other ICW footage no other British wrestling footage or independent footage whatsoever to speak of just this one random promo of me telling Krieger to spank me <laughs> um, so I reached out to ICW and I was like Yo, I'm, I'm super confused can someone explain why I'm on the WWE Network asking for a spanking um, and basically that footage was was used to it was being used as test footage um basically just to, to you know to make sure the stuff worked um so yeah I, I was lucky enough to find out about the deal way before anyone else and they had to say and they like look don't tell anyone but this is this is this is what's going to happen um so yeah I was lucky I was lucky to find that out really early um and it was again another another surreal experience much like five star wrestling like Obviously, I've 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 not been lucky enough to compete for the WWE just yet. Um, it's definitely something that I, that I aspire to do. Um, but being able to be featured on their network in any capacity is the dream for 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 any professional wrestler. Being able to work with WWE in any capacity, it's it's the biggest show in town. It's been the biggest show in town for you know fifty plus years, um, and you know just just getting to. It's 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 a bit it's a bit of confirmation for you as a, as a wrestler, um, you know when when the, a company the size of WWE is willing to willing to put your matches, um, you know put the, put their name against against your your performances, um, it it, it feels good um, as, as a wrestler for for such a such a big company to to think enough of you um to for you to be in that position so i'm, de I'm definitely thankful that i was that I was able to do that um and just one one of the small things that i think in wrestling you need to you need to appreciate the small things it always blew my mind that when we obviously we were on WWE network but later when when we went on to peacock um I used to say this to my ma all the time. I was like, you know, I'm on the same network as Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> like, it, it just, it, it was, it was just this kind of wild feeling um, that you know, someone, someone, and we, we still don't, have, we still don't have Peacock in the in the UK, but um, it, it was wild to think that you know the the streaming service that that people would be would be using to watch something like Brooklyn Nine Nine that they they could also you know be 
be watching, you know, ICW or be watching, you know, Scottish, you know, Scottish professional wrestling. So, so uh, that was that was that's a real experience. Um, obviously, I've I've already spoke about about five star, and, and for the for the reasons that I mentioned, that that will always mean a lot to me. But I've I've always kind of chased television exposure. Um, it's it's something that we were really big on at Copenhagen Championship Wrestling as well. Um, we we televise our events on a local Danish sort of television network, Kristania uh, TV. Um, and I, I feel I feel TV is a it's a big it's a big part of wrestling. Um, and it's obviously it's a it's a huge sort of way to gain exposure. Um, a, a huge way to you know, catch catch new eyes. People could just be even non wrestling fans could just be channel stuff, and then you, you know, you could all you could always catch their eye. Um, just just as they're as they're doing that. Um, so yeah, the TV for me has always always been a big thing. I've I've always wanted to to be a you know a, a TV wrestler wrestling in front of as many eyes as possible, and just you know putting putting on a performance for as many people as I possibly can. Keeping on the topic of ICW, obviously one of the bigger uh, UK uh, promotions over there. Um, you and Craig Grove actually won the tag team championships. Could you tell yep. us about that experience? Yeah, so... The, the, you know, being being tag team champions with Craig, so we're, we're two time tag team champions now, um, and that was it, it. Was really just a payoff for a lot of years of of hard work. I um, a lot of years have been been looked over. Um, you know. Yeah, so I was, I was, I was just saying this. So it's, it was, it was really special to me on on a lot of different levels. Um, it was the the payoff for a lot of hard work, um, a lot of years as well. Um, I felt me and Craig had been we'd been passed by a number of times, um, despite you know always kind of always being reliable and doing what was asked of us, and you know just. Trying to be good company guys, <laughs> um, and you know we we I, I felt like we weren't ever really been given that opportunity to to take center stage. So when that time finally came, um, it, it, you know it, it was a lot of indication to to realize that you know we were always right that we that we did have what it what it took to to get there, and that we we did have what it took to to lead the tag division. Um, and the you know the term from you know from saying it was you know from going from a boy to a man, um, but that was very kind of literal with myself in the ICW crowd when I debuted for for ICW. I was only sixteen, so I wasn't old enough to be in the building that the that the show was in. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I literally showed up as a as a child and. You know, left as the blood tourists, so they they were there for that entire journey. And ICW, just, you know, the, the fans are always going to have a a very special place in my heart. And so is you know, so is that night where where we won the tag titles. Um, getting to do it with with Kriger has obviously been 
such a fantastic tag team partner, the best I've ever had. Um, and obviously, we've been such a such a close friend as well. It's there was yeah, it was it was a night I'll never forget. Is that a moment you take in at that moment, or is again, is it kind of like after the fact? You're like, wow, this happened. No, that 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 was definitely that was definitely at the moment. Um, I would say it almost overwhelmed me in, in the moment itself. Um, just you know, as I was saying about the the, the sort of fans who had been with me for that whole journey, like it was the feeling of you know looking out and seeing a lot of the same faces who I seen when I first came through the door, um, and when I. You know, when I first showed up, my CW, those were the faces that were that were looking back at me, and they were they were still there that night. Um, and yeah, it was uh, as I say, I definitely. Oh, sorry, it's my TV in the background. Um, it was it was definitely something that I took in on the night because it just the the kind of emotion hit me like a train. I remember crying in the ring um, as soon as as soon as the bell went, I burst into tears um, because, as I said, it was just it was just so many years of hard work and. So much doubt as well. Like as I said, we were being we were being passed over for every other team on the roster. It felt like, um, and when that's happening, there, there's a party that goes, uh, you know, am I am I not good enough, or is it that I think that I've just not been, you know, like I think I've not just been putting, I've just not been put in the right position. Um, and obviously, when we did get put in that position, we took the ball and. And ran, but I um, obviously went on to have a, a second run with the with the tag team titles as well. I um, so yeah, as I said, it's, it's it's vindication for all those times where you where you said to yourself, maybe maybe I don't have what it takes. Um, then you you kind of you know you finally realise this is it, and I was right. Now going on from you know being a tag team champion to one of the greatest tag team champions of all time. You not only competed against Devon Dudley, you actually have a W on Devon Dudley. I do, yeah. What, <laughs> what was that experience like? Uh, again, surreal. Absolutely surreal. Um, I was a huge ECW fan. Um, probably got a pretty unique story in terms of how I got into wrestling. The first wrestling I seen was ECW before I'd ever seen WWE. Um my uncle was you know big into big into ECW and I remember I remember seeing Sabu put himself through a table and that was me kinda of hooked from there. Um then obviously a huge part of the of ECW was the Dudley Boys now as much as I was nowhere near old enough to be watching the Dudley Boys in ECW at the age that I was watching it. Um it was it was definitely something that I was hooked on, something that something that caught me. I was always a huge huge fan of the Dudley Boys. Um so getting to getting to work with Devon was was absolutely surreal. Um, he was a, he was a total gentleman, but he was absolutely terrifying. Uh, <laughs> and it was yeah, it was it was it was amazing. And again, it was one of those matches that I had at a really young age. So it was there was there was so much that came from that. It was the first time I'd ever called a match in the ring was against Devon Dudley, um, which was you know you want to talk about getting flung in the deep end. Um, that was that was an experience in itself, um, and Devon was 
yeah, it was, as I said, it was it, it, it was terrifying. Um, I remember just before we we went through the cotton, um, he was standing, and I, I went over to shake his hand, and I, you know, said, "Oh, we, you know, good luck, see you out there, thank you, kind of thing." Um, and I was all right, good luck, mate. I'll see you out there, and I went to shake his hand, and he just this fuck vice grip on my hand. <laughs> he says, "Hi, kid. Now we're gonna ask Jesus for good luck." <laughs> <laughs> so he's like squeezing my hands super tight right and I, I just do not know what to do I'm like 16, 17 at the time absolutely frozen solid no idea what to do while Devon Dudley's just holding my hand and going <laughs> so I have, I have no idea what to do and then he lets go of my hand and he goes how do you feel and I'm like oh great and ran through the curtain <laughs> absolutely terrified um, and as I said it was the first time I'd ever called it in the ring um, and he, he takes me to the rope and calls flying burrito and sends me off the ropes <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just running back with absolutely no idea what I'm running back into I, I, didn't, I had no idea what a flying burrito was but I very quickly learned it definitely wasn't flying because he stood <laughs> exactly where he was he didn't leave his feet and just nailed me with the biggest forearm I think I've ever felt in my life um, and then later told me that the flying burrito was, was Tito Santana's flying flying forearm um, but yeah he didn't he didn't leave his feet he just half knocked me out <laughs> <laughs> alright now uh, I think it's time for Looking Sharp's Bizarre Adventure. You're a pro wrestler that goes up and down the roads and weird, crazy, and bizarre things are bound to happen. Can you tell us a yeah. short story that fits that description? Yeah, absolutely. I got, I got, I got a, lot of, a lot of strange stories, and I would say a lot of them came from my, my time in, in China. Um, so China, China was a uh, was 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 a mental experience the, the entire time that that we were out there. Um, but one one of the one of the issues that we that we encountered was that we had an English translator who did not speak a single lick of English. What's the point of that? Yeah. Uh, so 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 we showed we showed up in China with a with an English translator who spoke only Chinese. Um, but he would say Nino Nino and he would dance. <laughs> um, so later on, a couple of weeks later, this led to I, I'd I'd planned on proposing to my fiance as soon as she arrived in China. So I had this big this big plan that as soon as she came through the gate, I was going to be stand, oh, I was going to be on one knee in a three piece suit. Um, and I was going to be there waiting for her, for us to kind of start our, our new life in China. Um, <laughs> so we got there, and I'm sitting there. I got the ring, and I got the suit, and it's absolutely scorching. It, like the sun is beaming down, um, and I'm wearing this three-piece suit, so I'm pissing sweat. Uh, <laughs> and every single person on the that was on the flight comes through the gate, but there's no rushing. My, my fiance. Um, so every, everybody coming, everybody's coming off the plane and gone through the gate, and Roshan's not there. And you know, I know she got on the plane, so I'm freaking out, right? And I'm thinking maybe she didn't get through, maybe something's happened. So I'm trying to contact her, but we're in China, so there's no Facebook. 
Um, That's right. She doesn't have. She doesn't have an internet connection, or like a kind of uh, not an internet connection. So she doesn't have like um like cell phone reception. Um, so there's no way to text her. So I'm tr- I'm trying to email her and hoping that she's gonna get it on the on the other side, um, and you know just just hoping for the best. The only thing that I can do to get any sort of information on where my fiance is is to speak to my English translator who speaks no English. <laughs> um, so yeah, it just it basically ended up in me doing laps of Shanghai Airport and a and a three piece suit. Um, running around looking for her. Eventually, um, I found her and, you know, I ran to her. We had a big hug. I gave her a kiss and I, and I asked her to marry me. And in true China style, um, one of the one of the airport workers went, oh, friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that was that was that was Roisin's first experience to, to China. So she she got it. She got it pretty mental. And China itself was was just wild. And um, one, one of the other funny things that happened over there was um, one of one of my friends, Damon Devine, who is uh, an American independent wrestler. He was living with us and he showed up to China with only American dollars and was absolutely affronted that they wouldn't accept him. <laughs> he did not understand why the Chinese didn't accept cold hard dollars. <laughs> So, so yeah, China, China was 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 pretty mental. In fact, I got, I got I got one more on that. So for anyone who remembers when when AEW um, was you know first kind of coming about and they had the partnership with OWE, um, they did uh, a big press conference and they got Dragon Fu, who's the the OWE owner, on. and he went on and he and he spoke super super broken English. Um, so he, and he's on stage and he goes, China, America, together. And I guess that's big reaction, right? But that, that's like the only English that he speaks. So when I show up in China, me and Rob, we're, we're both thinking that this guy doesn't doesn't speak any English. So <laughs> we, we go out to the theme park uh, where we get taken out to a theme park. And then afterwards, they say, oh, we're going to take you to Dragon Fu's restaurant. You're going to meet Dragon Fu. Um so we we go in, we're eating dragon food, shows up and, and we we sort of give them we were you know, it's customary in China when you're doing business to, to give a gift. So we present them with a with a gift that that we that we had brought. Um and we we're speaking like super slow and super clear. We're saying thank you very much for for bringing us to China. We really appreciate it. And he turned around and responds in like the most Californian, like American accent and was like, Hey, no problem guys, hope you enjoyed the theme park and we're like, Hold on a minute. <laughs> Where did this like super American accent come from? And I, I, I said to him, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to be rude, but we, we watched you on AEW, and we, we thought you, you didn't speak any English. And he says, Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was really, really nervous, and I forgot, <laughs> I forgot how to speak English. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I could I could I could I could I could go on for 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 days. Um, I've yeah when re- wrestling introduces you to some really really strange places, strange people, and when when you mix it all up together, you end up in a lot of really just strange situations. And I wouldn't I wouldn't change any of it for 
you know, for, for the world. Absolutely. And you're, you are 100% right about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, the, obviously, the most logical thing to ask you now about China is, what was you eating in China? Oh, man, I got so fat in China. <laughs> I got so fat in China. So... I was. I thought I was gonna do well in terms of eating. I was like, you know, there's, there's got, there's. I, I eat a lot of Chinese food. Our Chinese food, or at least British Chinese food. Now, you know, I eat American Chinese food as well. It's pretty much the same. Like, our Chinese food and their Chinese food is completely different. It's completely different. Um, there was, there was so much like seafood and a lot of that kind of stuff and I'm not really I'm really not big on seafood and there's so much stuff that's alive as well I remember we were we were in the supermarket and you know like those clamps that you would like pick up like bread with yeah you know like like loose bread so they got these like fish tanks with live fish and people would be walking around with a shopping trolley and they put in the cereal they put in the pasta then they take the clamps they take out a live fish they don't put it in a bag or or you kill it or nothing, live fish, and they just dump it in the trolley and it flaps around and they just, and it's just normal. There's so much stuff that's like still alive. I remember when in that day when we were in the restaurant when we met Dragon Fu, um, one of the Chinese guys came over and he was like, oh, for you, and there's this kind of hot pot restaurant and he just dumped this like live crab in, in the pot. Um, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want that crab. Take it out. <laughs> so so they, 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 they pulled this crab out of the pot, and it's you can see it's like it was dying. It's just been flung into a boiling hot pot of water. And I was like, oh god, no, just just put, put it back in. <laughs> uh, I was, I was, I was so, I was so, so, so torn on <laughs> on the fate of this this poor crab. Yeah. So eventually, I I just man. It was it was rough. We we tried to play it safe on the first night, and we we went to KFC. Now I don't know how true this is, but I'm just I'm just going on the information I was told. So obviously the the food standards are a lot different. Um, and yeah, so um, we we so. The first night we got to China, we, we tried to play it safe, um, and we went for a KFC. Yeah. So, I get I get the popcorn chicken, and um, a solid ninety percent of the way through my meal, right? I've been tearing this apart, right? I was starving, right? This popcorn chicken didn't stand a chance. Um, and Big Rob Sharp, my tag partner, he got the chicken burger. So he's he's been just kind of chatting away, picking away at his food. He hadn't actually ate his burger, and I've already ate most of mine. And he bites into his burger, and he goes, "Ah, oh, mate!" And he turns it around and he shows me, it. and what was supposed to be white chicken, it was just this nasty, like brown color. And I think, "Oh man!" And I, I, so I pull apart my popcorn chicken, and sure enough, on the inside, it's the same. It's this disgusting, like brown color. Um, and Damon who was with us, the American, who only brought dollars. So he had actually been to China before, which makes it even more bewildering that he only brought dollars, which, is, you know, did he do that last time and it worked? Anyway, um, <laughs> so he he tells us that, no, that's totally normal. It's, um, it's not actually chicken, it's pigeon. And he says, and 
that basically because the the food standards are different and stuff a lot of places use pigeon instead of chicken because it's cheaper and basically in china they can get away with it and yeah it was just i instantly felt ill um and we kind of realized that like a couple of a couple of places where we were going and ordering chicken like kind of fat even like fast food places like you know american companies um Western companies, at least, like we were, we weren't getting chicken. Um, so yeah, between living seafood, seafood in general, and and dodgy chicken, by the end of it, I, I was I was sticking to Papa John's, McDonald's, and the local Italian restaurant. <laughs> so I, as I said, I got super fat while we were in China because I just did not trust any food. <laughs> However, I did, I did enjoy it, and Chinese McDonald's has British McDonald's beat tenfold. Hmm, interesting. Now, um, you are a video game collector. Can you tell yeah, us big time. your love of video games and your collection? So I've I've always been a big big fan of computer games um, for as long as I can remember. Um, I've, I've I played computer games with, with my dad when I was when I was really really young. I've played computer games. Still play computer games with my dad now. Um, but yeah, I, I I can I can always remember like gaming being a part of my life and stuff. Um, in terms of like collecting games, um, I've always been a big fan of James Rolfe, the Angry Video Game Nerd. Um, and I watched I watched him a lot when I was growing up, and was a big fan of his collection. I was always like sort of taken aback by it, and you know just how kind of deep the the kind of library of games that he had was, and all these kind of really obscure games from all over the world. And you know, I just, I wanted I wanted to have something like that for myself. Um, and I, so I started. That, that's what where my kind of love for retro games came from as well. And my mum had a, a Super Nintendo um, that that we used to play, so she gave me that. And that was the the start of my Nintendo collection, um, which grew into a Sega collection and an Xbox collection, and to, it just it kept growing and growing and growing. Um, and now, you know, I've, I've, I've you know I've completed the the, the sort of all the the Nintendo kind of. Handhelds and main consoles, same for same for Sega, Xbox, and and Sony as well. I've got some kind of obscure ones like your CDI and 3DO, Atari Jaguar, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I've I've always been been really really big into it. I like really obscure games, like games from from different places. Um, and now off the off the back of it, I've kind of combined my my love for wrestling with my with my love for games, and I'm on a quest to find every wrestling game ever released um, or at least every kind of you know every kind of console game where you can buy a, a physical copy I think if I was going for like mobile games and all that kind of stuff it would I would be there for an eternity um, but yeah that's that's my that's my mission right now is is collecting um, collecting every kind of wrestling video game and that's been a lot of fun um, we, we missed out on so much like in terms of like the games that were were released in Japan um, the, like the kind of King of Coliseum games um, like you know the Japanese kind of PS2 wrestling library is amazing um, I would I would definitely recommend you know if, if you are looking for something different to to get yourself 
you know, emulators probably the probably the the easiest way to do it. Um, but if you like myself and you, you know, you're you're dead set on it has to be the physical copy. I would recommend getting a a cheap Japanese PS2 and and checking out some of the some of the wrestling games that are available on it because they are they are fantastic. Um, but yeah, the, the collecting wrestling games has been my my big thing just now and. I feel every single time I think that I've only got one more to go, I find another ten. <laughs> um, every console seems to have you know hundreds of of wrestling games on it, and some of them are absolute trash. But that's 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 kind of part of the fun, and I think that's it's almost part of the charm. Um, but yeah, the, being able to kind of combine wrestling and, and video games has, has been a lot of fun and I've kind of been reflecting that in my, my wrestling gear now as well. I've got some kind of Super Mario themed some, uh, some Mario themed gear. I've been doing some Super Mario themed kind of merchandise as well. That's how it shows. Got the Super Sharp Bros kind of poster in the style, the style of the Super Mario Bros 3 cover. Um, so yeah, I, lo- I love I love combining the, the two. Um, and I'm um, uh, I'm I'm pretty certain that I must be up there in terms of the most hours racked up for for WWE 2K. Every year, that's my my most played game. When when Sony do the the year in review, and it's always hundreds of hours. I'm a I'm a big universe mode guy. Um, I'm 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 big into you know downloading kind of cause and that kind of stuff and the, expanding the the roster. And yeah, I'm 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 a I'm a big time gamer. <laughs> Now, what is you said like you're collecting all the video game the uh the w um all the wrestling games I should say um how many do you currently have and do you know how many more there is to go? So, I I I don't honestly know how many I have in total. Um, I've certainly. I've certainly collected all your kind of main ones. So, in terms of what I'd I'd say, there's got to be at most like maybe five or six left that, that I don't have, um, that you know and they tend to be sorry that you know of. Yeah, that yeah that I'm aware of. I'm sure I'm pro- I'll say this and I'll go and find another ten tonight when I look. Um, but they they tend to be like the kind of really expensive ones. Um, there's um, there's a few kind of Japanese ones and um, I think there's a couple of American ones as well that were only released in the US that that go for like several hundred dollars. And I, I've I've not made a, a commitment quite as big as that yet. Um, I, the the names escape me now, but I know there's one that. The kind of lowest that you'll find it for online is like eight hundred dollars. That's one. It was one on the Super Nintendo. I bet again the the names the names escaping me just now. Um, But I've I've collected all of the the WWE games, WCW games, ECW games. Same with you know New Japan. Um, That was really how I was able to kind of find all of the games as I was going through kind of each kind of major promotion and seeing which. You know, if if they have released the game and you know how many they, they that they've brought out, um, but I've got some from some kind of more obscure, not not obscure, but promotions that you might not have expected to to have games. I've got a, a pro wrestling Noah game on my on my. Yeah, on my Wonder Swan, <laughs> which is a a, a Japanese um, handheld console. 
Um, I got, I got some all Japan games for the for the Game Boy, and yes, it's, 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 some some of the collection is pretty obscure. Um, but I've I've had a, I've had a great time adding to it. What is the most obscure video game, and it doesn't have to relate to wrestling, but the most obscure game in your collection? Um, I'd say. Maybe not obscure, and maybe maybe not the word I would use for it. But definitely one of my favourite ones in my collection is um, Hotel Mario for the for the Philips CDI. Um, so it is the only Mario game that was ever released not on a Nintendo console. Wow! Um, so it came from. That's all good. Um, yes, yeah, so, so, so I'll just I'll just jump back in. So, um, yeah, so the Hotel Mario is probably my, my kind of favourite obscure one that I've got. Um, as I was saying, that was the only one that the only Mario title that was released not on a Nintendo console. So it came on the the Philips CDI, um, which came from basically Philips were looking to do a CD add-on for the Super Nintendo, um, which. Never came, you know, never kind of never came to light. Um, but they still had the the rights to to release these kind of Nintendo games or games with Nintendo characters, which led to a terrible Mario game and two terrible Zelda games. Um, and the Zelda games go for insane money. Um, I, I was lucky enough to find the Mario one relatively cheap. Um. But yeah, there's a wee bit of video game history for you there as well. And that's actually the, the sort of what I was saying about the, the CD add-on. Um, that actually is how we ended up with the PlayStation as well. So they tried to partner up with Sony first, um, then switched to Philips, then went with Nemo. And we ended up with the PlayStation. Now, what is your most prized video game in your coll- collection? That's 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 a hard one. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Castlevania Four for the Super Nintendo. Um, it's it's not like overly expensive or overly obscure, um, but it's just such a good game, um, and it was the first like retro game that I really set out to find and add to my collection um i kind of watched people playing it online and stuff and heard people talking about how good it was and how innovative it was at the time that kind of stuff and i said i really wanted to play it for myself wanted to add it to my collection and i was i was lucky enough to to get a copy of it and be able to kind of play it in its original format on the on the cartridge and that's where where i fell in love with with the castlevania series as a whole um, and every single time I go back to do some some retro gaming um, I'll always stick in some um, some Castlevania 4 um, it's got, I'd say it's a, cl- a close tie between um, Castlevania 4 or another one which could have been an answer from a most obscure video game uh, would be Thunder in Paradise on the <laughs> on the CDI I mean how didn't it even didn't it go to for one season and it got a video game? 
Yeah, which 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 is pretty mad, and the the game the game itself um, as isn't the best, um, but it's it's just it's just it's just cool to see. I don't know how familiar you are with the with the CDI, but that's when they just kind of brought in like the whole full motion video and all that kind of stuff to games, um, and and yeah, it was it was it's, it's just cool to. to 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 see that we kind of that we kind of time capsule and and as always been able to see it in a in a wrestling capacity as well with being Hulk Hogan is is always fun. Now, what is a game you have your eye on that you know you you're wanting to put into your collection, but for whatever reason it's hard to find, too expensive, you can't get it. Cutie Suzuki's n- no. No Wrestling Angel, I believe it's called, um, which is a Japanese Sega Genesis game. Um, obviously, starred in Cutie Suzuki, um, but it's one of the it's one of the few wrestling games that I'm aware of that I don't own, um, and I did see it for sale one time, and I passed on it and bought a different kind of wrestling game instead, thinking that I would go back for it, and I've never been able to find it since. Wow. Um, so that's, that's a, it's a pretty obscure one. It doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't sell for much. It's not like a it's not like a really expensive game or anything like that. Um, but it, it's it's just hard to come by. Um, I think you know just it just got imported. Uh, kind of Japanese like Sega Genesis games and stuff you you really don't see them as often as you see um, Japanese Super Nintendo games and stuff yeah. um, so, so that's definitely one that I've been I've been I've been looking out for well there is one video game um, that is one of one that you currently possess and that is the Luke King Shark video video game Can you- that's right can you tell us about your own your very own video game? So that was um, that was a wrestler, JD Bravo, who who I trained with, um, who very kindly um, put put that together for me. He, he just knew that I was obviously a, a big a big gamer, um, and especially especially with the retro stuff. Um, and he was he was making some homebrew kind of Game Boy games. Um, and he, as I said, very kindly took the time to put together a, a short game about myself. <laughs> um, it's about 10 minutes long um, and it's, it's based around um, basically me trying to trying to, to get get the the ring van to a show on time. Um, and it, it, it's, you know, it's got its own cartridge with its own label and box and, you know, it's got a kind of protective case on it and stuff. And it's, it's definitely one of my one of my prized possessions. Um, that 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 should have been my answer for, for my most obscure, definitely obscure <laughs> in terms of what one of one. Um, but see, that that is really really cool to to have. That's incredible. That it's what um, and uh, you said on your YouTube page that you were going to do like a, a playthrough of it, but we never, I never saw that you actually did. So that's that's something I've been I've been saying for a long time, and it's just it's just been something that I've I've never really found the the time to to really be able to commit to. Um, Any time I'm doing a, a project, I really like to to give it a hundred percent. I I don't like to to half do things. Um, 
and obviously gaming is something that I'm really, really passionate about. So when I do eventually, you know, I'm still dead set that at some point that kind of content will be coming to my YouTube, um, the kind of social medias in general. But it it will be at a time where I can I can fully invest myself into it. Um, I've I've got so much stuff that I want to cover. Um, I've got a, a lot of consoles and a lot of games and a, a lot of stuff that I, I wanted. I want to show people. I, I, I enjoy talking about it. I enjoy, you know, kind of sharing the, the 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 stuff that I've found out while kind of building this this collection. Um. So so yeah. All right. I I am genuinely curious. I am genuinely curious about. Watching the game in action. <laughs> um, so, as I said, it, it will it will definitely come at, at some point. Um, I suppose it's although although there's a there's a weight involved, you you can always rest assured that um, when when the game and content does come, that it, it's going to be you know it's it's going to be top notch and it's going to have a lot of a lot of time and a lot of love put in it as well because. You know, it's it's something that I'm very very passionate about. Um, but obviously, running a wrestling school and a, a wrestling promotion and a wrestling governing body and <laughs> trying to be a wrestler, um, it, it it takes up a, a lot of my time and the the time that I have for gaming just now is spent doing exactly that, just just getting to play games. Um, but hopefully a, a time will come in the in the near future where, where I can sit down and, and I can really I can really talk about about a lot of these games that I've picked up, especially these wrestling games like I just think it would be so interesting to do a series where I start with the first wrestling game ever released. Yeah. And then we go all the way through and you know we 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 play each wrestling game all the way up into the kind of modern 2K series and your like AEW Fight Forever. Um, I, I think that would be really really cool to to see how these games have have progressed over the years. And I have a Atari twenty six hundred game with Vern Gagne on the cover. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and as far as the game is, it's literally just called Pro Wrestling, um, and I'm pretty sure that's the that's the first wrestling game that was released. Um, I would I would have to look into that. When you get into Atari, that's where things get kind of hard to find because a lot of things had, you know, the, the, there's several games called Pro, you know, just called Pro Wrestling, but they are different. Um, but they they can be hard to differentiate between when just you know kind of looking at the cartridge. Um, but as far as I'm aware, that one that that I, that I own um, with the with Fernando on the cover, that's the that's the first wrestling game that was released. Um, so I'd like to start there, go all the way through, um, you know Commodore sixty four, so uh, NES, Super Nintendo, all the way up until um, until uh, until the PS five and, and Xbox series. Can you tell us about trying to get into the AEW Casino Battle Royal, which was um, an all-women's battle royal back then? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, basically, um, we were 
we were doing ODBE. Uh, <laughs> I totally forgot about that until you mentioned this. Um, so yeah, we, we were doing ODBE and in a sense, we were involved with an AEW storyline, like very kind of <laughs> removed. Um, so basically, Sima was supposed to debut with two Chinese guys from OWE, um, which was then later replaced by the Stronghearts, um, T-Hawk and Lundeman. Um, but originally, that was supposed to be um, two, they're not actually Chinese, they're actually Mongolian. Um, but they they weren't able to to get the visas, and then basically the storyline reason ended that they didn't go to. Um, what was the, what was the first AEW pay per view? Uh, double or nothing. Yep, double or nothing. So yeah, the reason they didn't go to double or nothing. Um, I was gonna say I was gonna say all in there. Um, but yeah, the reason they didn't go to double or nothing was because it, we had we had jumped them at OWE. Um, so I'd figured I was like, right, if we if we're like vaguely involved in this like storyline, maybe we can maybe we can wing it and you know just use the power of social media and try and get in that battle royal. So I took to Twitter and was you know doing doing my usual, um, just just trying to trying to brass neck it and trying to blag a spot in the in the battle royal. And then Aspen Faith <laughs> messaged me and was like, "You do realise that this is a women's battle royal." <laughs> Um, and I was like, "Well, it's too late now." <laughs> so that's when I when I started doing the videos where I'm doing the where I'm running the international, sleeping and leaping in a in a pair of high heels and and saying that I can I can do anything that a woman does and, and all the rest of it. Um, so that that was that was a lot of fun um, and partially the result of of Chinese cabin fever, but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was it was it was definitely a lot of fun, and I, I can honestly say that I will put my my skills in a set of high heels to the test against anyone, man or woman. Oh, awesome! So you have that uh, that that uh, mad balance skills. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't know if you've seen the video, but anyone who hasn't, it's on, it's on my YouTube. You, you, you find a woman who can hit a leapfrog like that in those high heels and land it. <laughs> Stick that landing like I did. did I got get? that down. Where did you get the Tell high RuPaul I'm coming for him. Where did you get the high heels? Um, they were my fiancés. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like a what is that conversation like? Honey, can I borrow your high heels? <laughs> that 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 is the gist of it. And to be honest, she she's been with me long enough where she wasn't even that surprised. Uh, <laughs> she 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 gets these kind of questions on the regular, and yeah, she's 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 she's, she's kind of it's kind of grown on her. <laughs> okay, so she it's basically I know that he does this. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah, I mean, she's she's just happy that this time it's it's that I'm jumping around in high heels and that I'm not you know diving off a balcony. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for the colossal question. Let's say they're making a movie about you. Every movie right. has a soundtrack. What would be the first three songs on the Liu King Sharp um? Movie so I think first it'd have to uh, fix up look sharp, but have to be on there by Dizzy Rascal. Um, okay. That was my 
my entrance music for the for the longest time. Um, that's really even to this day. Um, I still get people text me when they hear "Fix Up Look Sharp" on the radio. Um, you know, and it kind of kind of reminds them reminds them of me. So I'm I'm really glad that I was able to obviously make that connection with people. And I've not I've not entered to that song in in years. Um, and obviously, still people still remember it. So as I said, I'm I'm, I'm glad that it it made such an impact. So. So I'd, 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 let's let's say that's 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 the opening song, that's the intro credits, um, and then got to be fortunate son as well, which is my my current um my current entrance music. Um, I absolutely love coming out to that song. Um, it's it's one it's one of my favourite songs. It's it's the it's the cliche Vietnam War song, <laughs> um, and it, yeah, it just it, it's just such a feel good song as well. Um, it, I feel like it always always gets everybody pumped up. Certainly gets me pumped up. You can clap along to it, and uh, yep, I love it. So that's got to be in there. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn on the on the last one. Um, I would say Luke Combs kind of get an outlaw um, in there because that's um, been a big part of the upcoming Red Dead wrestling show, which um, which will have since passed by the by the time this episode is released. Um, but that's been the kind of the kind of theme song for for that show. Um, I think it, it just applies so perfectly to CCW and the people involved. You know, I feel like sometimes we. We are the outlaws of the of the pro wrestling scene, and we're just out here trying to make our own path and trying to try to do things our own way. Um, so I would I would put that in there, but I feel I feel like I would be I would be cheating myself if I didn't say um, my absolute favourite song in the world, which is Steelers Wheel Stuck in the Middle with You. All right, I mean those are some solid picks for sure. <laughs> Thank you. That being said. We got the soundtrack down, then we write the script. The writers, uh, the writers' strike is over. It's it's happening now. <laughs> um, then we go to casting. When the, there's still on a writer, uh, an actor strike, but I'm sure we'll get somebody. <laughs> um, who plays Luke King Shop? And you can't say yourself because you are obligated to make a Stanley esque cameo. Well. I, I, I mean, I would say like Arnold Schwarzenegger, The Rock, John Cena, but I feel like everyone else would say Danny DeVito. Uh, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Danny DeVito because Danny DeVito would be the people's choice. Um, but if it was up to me, I would choose Steve Buscemi because he's just, he's my favorite actor. Oh yeah. All right. Now. Every movie has a supporting cast. Who would be three people in your movie, and who would play them? Oof, right. I would say... Try, try, to, think, try to think of some, some key characters. Right, so who, some, somebody's got to play Krieger. Who can we get playing Krieger? This is, this is a hard one. Ewan McGregor, he can play Krager. Yeah, 
Australia. He's, he's got that. Craig had that kind of Obi Wan look going on for a bit. We can you and McGregor can play Craig. Who else do we need? We can get we can get Ed Sheeran playing Sebastian Day. Okay. That's just because they're both ginger, um, <laughs> and because and, and because I couldn't remember the name of the guy who played Ron Weasley. <laughs> he just looks like Ed Sheeran. Um, and then who 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 we got for the for the last character? We can have Margot Robbie play Roisin, although she's nowhere near as beautiful. In fact, no, scratch that. We'll throw everybody off and we'll have Samuel L. Jackson play Roisin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. This is sounding like an incredible movie, to say the least. All good movies feel a little bit like a fever dream, so that's that's what we're going for. I never knew I wanted to see Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Ed Sheeran in the same room, let alone the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> and you could pre-order the tickets now. Alright, on to the most controversial of questions. Pineapple on pizza, what's your stance? Absolutely not. My fiance loves pineapple on pizza. She's always eating ham and pineapple pizzas, um, and I could not disagree more. Um, but I have recently seen on Facebook that, that there's a peas and mayonnaise pizza going around, oh. and I feel like we, we we should all unite against that. I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> Alright, um, what's your spirit Pokemon? Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Pikachu, which is uh, a, bit, a, bit, a bit, bit of a basic bitch answer, but I got, uh, I got, I got reason for that, right? As, as I'm saying, everybody's kind of expecting Danny DeVito to play me in this in this movie. Everybody's expecting the kind of small, cute, and cuddly, but when the time comes, like Pikachu, I can blow up. I can be explosive as well. So I'm gonna say Pikachu. All right. Now we love the late great Tracy Smothers on the show. Do you absolutely? Know, do you know the acronym for Thug? T H U G. Oh, I don't think I do, but I should. T is for terrible. H is for hell, U is for ugly, and G is for jail, because a dog can't spell. <laughs> nah, Tr Tracy's mother's was the man. Oh, hell yeah. She's definitely one I wish I had met. Definitely. <laughs> oh, what did you say next to me? 
It's, uh, I was, I was, I was just going to agree. I would, I would absolutely have, have loved to have met Tracy Smothers. He actually did do a lot of shows in the UK. One of the promotions that I work with a lot, W3L, um, we're lucky enough to to have him on a on a few events. Um, and to this day, if you listen to the W3L opening on on Wrestling Showdown or any of the kind of YouTube shows or even at the live events they play, it, um, you can you can hear this really southern accent at the end of the at the end of the intro loop going W3L. And that's uh, and that that's Tracy Smothers um, from his from his, his time in W for you. That's awesome. We're trying to keep the memory alive um, on the show. Absolutely. I mean, he he's, he certainly deserves it. He was he was absolutely one of the one of the one of the best entertainers that you know that that, that we've ever seen. And he was he was so intense as well. Like I think obviously a lot a lot of younger fans will be more familiar with, with the end of his career where he was kind of dancing and all that kind of stuff but if you go back and watch The Wild Eyed Southern Boy that's you know he, 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 he was fantastic he was he was so intense um, if anyone who considers himself like a fan of like Southern style brawling should absolutely be seeking out Tracy Smothers matches to, to go back and watch because he, he was fantastic and I guess my own wee kind of way of um of trying to keep the the memory of Tracy Smothers alive is every so often I'll I'll make an entrance to staying alive by entrance, um and 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 have a have a bit of a bit of a boogie on the way to the ring and and Tracy Smothers' memory. That is awesome. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> That's my pleasure. You gotta you know give these guys their flowers because you know we have to keep the memory alive. Keep it going. So you know, future generations know as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like the 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 next generation of, of wrestling has so much to learn from from the guys that that you know paved the the road that, that we're all that we're all looking to walk. Um, you can you can learn so much from the guys who have, who have been there and done it. And Tracy Smothers, you know, although you know Tracy Smothers wasn't like the wasn't the rock, you know, he. He was always, and you know, in terms of like how, how big a star he, he became. Um, although although he was never the the biggest star, he was always working at a high level consistently for a a, a lot of years. Do you know what I mean? He had he had a career a lot longer than than a lot of guys do. Um, so there's there's definitely something to to be learned from that. Go back and you know. As, as much as it was this wild, intense kind of brawling style, it was a style that he was able to maintain for the entirety of of that career. Um, and it, you know, it was it was always just, in my opinion, it was always just as good. Now, the weirdest question you'll be asked on a wrestling interview, hopefully, would you ever consider wrestling a rock? Not playing Johnson, not the country, an actual physical rock. Absolutely, I will wrestle absolutely anyone and anything, man, woman, child, or stone. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would take the challenge and 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 see how I get on. Um, I don't know how I would do, but <laughs> but I would certainly try. Uh, I've always wanted to wrestle a bear. I don't, I don't think, like, I think for, uh, I don't think. Like Peter and stuff would allow that now, um, but but I, I I I would love to wrestle a working bear as hardcore Hollywood put it. Just like the late great Tracy Smothers. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, obviously, yeah, Tracy Smothers, of course, he, he wrestled bears himself. So it, it just it just feels like all all the all the cool wrestlers, <laughs> all the cool wrestlers wrestled a bear at one point. <laughs> well, just for context, uh, there's a wrestler named Psycho Mike that wrestled in actual Raw um, for over 15 minutes in a tungsten man match. That's an Iron Man match that lasts for two weeks. <laughs> and where was this? In Canada. In Canada, I I'll check that out. I could send you a link to the to the match. Yeah, let's do it. Alright. Uh on a more serious note, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, so really I'm 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 just aiming to, to keep doing what I'm doing, um, just hopefully uh, uh, on a bigger stage. Um, obviously, I would love to to work with either the, the WWE or or AEW. Um, really, I just I just want to I want to put myself on the biggest stage possible. Um, and I, honestly, I'm I'm not fussed if that is um, you know you know which which side of the fence that is. I, I just want to I just want to be performing at the highest level that. That I'm able to. Um, something else that I'm really, really interested in, as I said, I've always been a big fan of Lucha Libre, and I don't really feel, although there has been British people in wrestling in Mexico in the past, obviously, um, I don't feel like there's there's ever really been, well, Norman Smiley would be the exception, but that was obviously a long time ago. I don't feel like there's ever really been a British person who's really cracked the, the Mexican scene. Um, and yeah, I'd I'd certainly like to like to have a go at that. Obviously, now expanded into Spain, um, I would I would obviously like to like to keep that going. I'm getting getting to, to learn a wee bit of Spanish and work a wee bit of lucha libre over here in Europe. So I'd like to to take those skills that I'm picking up and and take that to Mexico. While I was in China, they worked a lucha libre style as well. So it's something that I've done I've done before, um, and then just continue to grow the CCW brand. Um in fact well well I, I, I can talk about this since um since this is gonna come out after Red Dead Wrestling. So um this Sunday at Red Dead Wrestling we're gonna be announcing um that CCW will be joining up with SWS and Malmo and we will be merging. Um, for 2024, so there will be no more SWS and no more CCW, and in its place it will be Valor. Um, and Valor is going to be running shows across Sweden, Denmark, Scotland, and England, um, which is kind of unheard of for, for an independent wrestling promotion to be covering that much ground and expanding into that many different scenes. Um, but I really think we've got the right people to make it possible, and I think Valor is going to be one of the most exciting things to happen to the European wrestling scene in a long, long time. It's going to be a chance for guys in the UK to see stars from mainland Europe and Scandinavia where they've th th that they've never had the chance to see before. Guys like Nitro Green and Seb Silvers, Alice Inc, people like that who you know the Scottish fans are now being exposed to on, on the CCW shows right. and we're, we're going to continue to bring over people of that calibre um, and expose the UK audience to these these new talents I feel like in the UK when you when you see a, a wrestler you've never seen before it tends to be a trainee or 
you know, a, a kind of younger guy, and you know, for obvious reasons, they don't have the same experience level, and you know, they they're not quite as, as talented as people who have been who have been doing it longer and been doing it, you know, more often. Um, so I, I really like being able to bring over these guys from Scandinavia, and although it's no one, it's, it's some it's someone that you've never seen before, um, someone that you've you've maybe not heard of, they are wrestling just as good, if not better, than your favourite wrestlers in the UK. Um, so it's it's a big part of our mission to keep doing that, and you know, to, to and vice versa when we go to Scandinavia to to bring over guys from the UK and Ireland and and expose the, the Scandinavian fans to, to the guys from that scene and let them see, you know, a, a, diff, a different style of wrestling. And, yeah, just just really trying to bridge the, the gaps between the European wrestling scene. I've always, I've always said that we need, to, we need to start treating Europe like America. Um, you know, it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't be insane for... An American wrestling company in New York to eventually decide that they want to run a show in California um, or in LA, for example. Um, but that is much, much, much further away. There's much more distance between New York and LA than than there is Scotland and Denmark. But because they're two different countries that speak two different languages, you know, people kind of create this separation between them and they, they, they feel like they're so much further apart um, and that's kind of the, the case all across Europe like you know just because it's a different language in France, Germany and, and Italy doesn't mean that you know they're not all right beside each other and, and in theory you, you, you could drive across Europe the same way people drive across America obviously there's a lot of hours involved in doing that right. Um but yeah, I, I just I just don't see why why we make ourselves so small in Europe, and we we make all these wee wee tiny wrestling scenes like one a wee tiny scene in Scotland, and a wee tiny scene in England, and a wee tiny scene in well, not tiny, but obviously in comparison to you know like the US and stuff. Yeah. Um, when when really what I think we should be doing is aspiring to have like this kind of larger European scene. Oh, but did, was you continuing on that? Uh, no, so that was, uh, was sort of finished on that. So okay. I said, just just really looking to, to take CC uh, of Valor, sorry, and create this this new bigger European scene that, that I've been mentioning. Obviously, if we if we don't have it, then then we'll be the or aim to be the ones to to create it. Right. I'm sorry. I thought I cut you off. <laughs> no, no, not so. All right, and that's really incredible. And I think we should maybe put a pin in that for uh, maybe a future conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to do that. Now, uh, what is a match people should go out of their way to see that best shows off what you are all about? Um, so obviously it's a, it's a wee bit more difficult now um, with the... The ICW footage being removed from the WWE Network. Um, I don't know how much of that has now been transferred over to Fight TV. Um, I would definitely recommend checking out um, myself versus Crowbar um, in the death match. Um, that was that was a match that meant a lot to me, and it was the first time that I was really able to go all in on the blood tourist stuff and 
you know, me and Crowbar had, had been working together a lot, still do. Um, and that's one of, one of, definitely one of my favourite matches I've ever had. Um, another match I'd maybe recommend would be the big multi-man tag team match from the Hydro, um, which was Glasgow Grindhouse, the Briscoes, Kings of Catch, Rampage Brown and Ashton Smith, you had Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskins. Um, so there was, there, was, there was a lot of teams in that match, and it was a big sort of TLC kind of match. Um, that's available for free on ICW's Facebook if you if you have a look through there. Um, there's also some good matches that you can check out on my on my YouTube as well as uh, earlier on. There's, there's footage of, of myself from from all over the world. You can go back and check out um, these matches that I've mentioned in China and in Denmark, Sweden, various other places. That's the that's the place to see it. But if I was to be specific, I would say seek out the the match with with Kroma. And the, the, the latter match we could find on Facebook, uh, could, where can we find the Crowbar match? Uh, so that one, I believe it, it'll eventually it will go on to Fight TV. ICW, now that they're not on the network, um, are, are kind of slowly transferring all of the the footage f- from that to, um, you know, to, to Fight TV. So... If it's not on Fight TV yet, um, it will be eventually. Um, it will eventually come. It was from a Fight Club taping, um, and it was um, it, that was a that was a death match. Um, but LKS versus Crowbar death match, and that's um, from ICW Fight Club. Um, as I said, if if it's not on Fight TV yet, it will be it will be up there soon. Right, I will look uh, for the match on uh, Facebook. Uh, and I will put it in the description of the video below, but on YouTube and CastBox. Uh, for anybody that hasn't seen it, wants to see it, wants to re-see it. Um, awesome. You mentioned the Briscoes. Is I'm, if I'm correct in saying Jay and Mark yeah. Briscoe? That's correct, yeah. So we were, we were, we were lucky enough to, to be able to work with them at the MyCW Fear and Loven. Um... And they were they were absolutely fantastic. I remember vividly the the feeling that I had standing in the ring, and obviously we we'd been speaking to them and you know planning the match and, and whatever else. Um, and they they were making their entrance, and I was like, right, I want to get a, you know I want to I want to get involved with these guys. I want to get a shot of me, you know, kind of giving them some shit. Um, so I jumped up on the apron, and I, I'm pointing at Mark, and I'm shouting at Mark, and he just froze on the stage and just like dead-eyed me like from the from the top of the ramp and i'm standing in the middle of the ring um and it was the only time in wrestling ever where you know my opponents looked back at me and i've went fuck <laughs> <laughs> like those guys are legit man um and yeah they they just just stars um if if they if they can make me feel like that and I'm the guy who's in the ring with them then I can only imagine how it must feel from from an audience kind of perspective. So I was very, very lucky to to be able to to work with them. Um but yeah that's 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 available on the 
the ICW Facebook page, you will need to 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 sort of search for it, but it is on there. Um, and as I said, there's there's loads of loads of matches on my my YouTube channel with the various kind of American independent stars. Um, not so much independent stars now, but there's a match on there where you can see myself and TNA's Joe Hendry tagging up against the against the Young Bucks. Um, you can see myself and Joe Hendry again taking on Grado and Tommy Dreamer. Um, so yeah, those. Oh, good. Sorry about that. Again, don't know, don't know what happened. So we got disconnected. <laughs> um, yeah, as, as I was saying, those those matches on there with with the Young Bucks, with, with Tommy Dreamer, and various other kind of American independent stars. So if um, if if that's your if that's your style, if that's your flavour, then then LKS TV is where to, where to get it. And um, his YouTube page will be in the description of the video below for our YouTube and cast back cast. Cast box as well. There you go. Um, and you can check out all of those matches and more um, after this interview. And since we are nearing the conclusion of this interview, we are wrestling with the eight questions of doom. Alright. This is our speed round, our bonus round, the round where we see who you really are. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excluding yourself, greatest wrestler of all time. Rick Flair. Worst wrestler. Shane Gonzalez. Your main event in WrestleMania for the World Championship. Who is your opponent? Sabu. If you could come out to anyone's entrance music, past or present, who would it be? Jeff Jarrett alone my baby tonight. <laughs> I love that accent. <laughs> Finish the sentence. K Fabe is not dead, but <laughs> not dead, but not the same as it as it once was. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't still have respect for it. We would have also accepted taste great on toast. <laughs> Squash. Vegetable or fruit? Vegetable. It is indeed a fruit. What? Yes, uh, it has seeds. Tomato logic. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you are a part of Squash Squad now, and that means a hell of a lot more. <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestler Tai Chi. His ring gear gets smaller every year, revealing more of himself to the world. My question What is the appropriate trunks to butt cheek ratio for ring gear? The, 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 there shouldn't be butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> If 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 the if there's butt cheeks, then you've got the ratio wrong already. <laughs> so full coverage. Yeah, full 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 coverage, full coverage. Okay. And the last question, the main event, the thing everybody wants to know: Have you ever had a conversation with a stranger in a supermarket about Darby Allen? 
No. <laughs> I, I don't think I've had a conversation in the supermarket with a stranger about wrestling in general. <laughs> And there's the correct answer. But I, I would be open to one. And that is the correct answer. And that will conclude this interview. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me. No, thank you very much for having me. It's, it's actually been a, a really, a really good laugh. And as you said, if you want to, if you want to put in a, a pin in that Valor conversation, then we can, we can certainly do it again and have a chat about all the exciting stuff coming up there. And I absolutely would. Um, uh, I would definitely love to have you back on uh, and talk um, that and a lot of the other things that you've done because uh, we just scratched the surface of all the fantastic things Luke King Shop has done. Yes, yeah, so it's been it's been a it's been a pretty it's been a pretty wild ride, and as you said, well. We're, we're, we're just we're just scraping off the top there. I've I've got got plenty more wild stories from from China. I was once barred from the country of Nigeria. Um, yeah, I've got I've got I've got loads of loads of mad stories that I can that I can come back on and tell. Stay tuned for episode two, looking sharper two. <laughs> Sounds good. Once again, um, where can we find all things uh, Luke King Sharp on um, social media and your merchandise? So it's at Luke King Sharp UK um, on Twitter uh, or X now and Instagram. Um, www.facebook.com slash Luke King Sharp and then also um, search for L uh, Looking Sharp Dojo of Excellence or LKS Dojo of Excellence um, and Copenhagen Championship Wrestling you can find Copenhagen Championship Wrestling on Twitter at CPH Wrestling 1 um, and you can find LKS Dojo on there as well at LKS Dojo um, obviously as we've already mentioned you can check out some matches um, from the, the journey that I've had so far on Looking Sharp TV on YouTube and if you want to support myself you can go to Pro Wrestling Tees and you can check out some of the some of the fantastic designs that we've got on there, I've got a Kung Flu Lu t-shirt on there um, we've got the um, the Street Fighter design where I'm kind of throwing a fireball um, and we've got the, the Blood Tourist t-shirt that you see me wearing and, and most of my matches so there's loads of loads of cool designs on there you can go on there support me myself um, if you see me at a show probably, I've always got some some different merchandise that you that you can't find online as well um, wristbands posters all that kind of stuff so if you're at a local show then always come and, come and say hello at the table as well and you don't even have to type it into your Google machine. All of the links to all the social media and merchandise will be in the description of the video below or on YouTube and CastBox. Simply click the link. A new tab will appear on whatever device you are on. You have no excuse. Buy a damn shirt. And, uh, of course, thank you for listening. If you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, comment, put on YouTube and CastBox. Um, this was sponsored by World Energy and Player One Coffee. Join us next Tuesday and Wednesday for new incredible interviews. And follow the show at Wrestling with E, both on Twitter, um, well, X, Instagram, and Dread. Uh, you can follow me personally at JamesJ993 for information on who we're interviewing, when we're interviewing, links to those interviews, and so much more. All right, uh, Lou, when I say wrestling wit, you say entertainment, okay?
Alright, let's do it. For every special guest in the King Shop, Calico Yacht, Scooter Dust, I'm James J, and this has been Wrestling with... Entertainment. Hey folks, this is the Colossal Mike Law, and you are listening to Wrestling with Entertainment. Enjoy the show, support these guys, we appreciate it very much. We'll see you at ringside.